Welcome back to another episode of the Inquisitive Mamba podcast. This is episode 52. We have a guest joining today's show. Her name is Zaria Flippin. Zaria Flippin is a sports journalist, a college sports journalist. So Zaria, how's it going? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. Obviously, we know about the Tom Brady news today. It shook up the entire uh, you know, NFL world for fans and you know, athletes all around the world. So when when you first heard the news of Tom Brady, what were your initial thoughts? Um, that's actually how I started my morning. I woke up to hear that news. And I mean, I wasn't truly surprised, but it's also a little sad just knowing like a piece of history is like finally leaving the NFL. He's done so much for the game and he's pretty much changed the way how people look at football. And I feel like he was one of, if not the first like player that we really overlooked and he really showed us how great he was over time. And it's been a great 23 years of watching him play and just changing the way of football. Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, you know, I actually woke up this morning and a friend of mine texted me and said, Brady retired. And obviously last year, this was the exact same day, February 1st, you know, of 2022. And we had the first time he retired and it was kind of, you know, wasn't done properly. It was, you know, a PR stunt. They said it was leaked and it really wasn't, you know, the best way it came out. But this year, obviously today it was done properly and it, you know, came from him truly. So, I mean, it was just something that, you know, was definitely floating around, obviously, after he, you know, finished the last game against the Cowboys, you know, they were saying rumors if he was going to you know, go to the Raiders or, you know, go to another team, maybe the Niners. But personally for me, you know, just being a long time, you know, Brady fan, obviously, I just didn't see him going to another team, especially after the season he just had, you know, what else more does he have to prove? Go to the Raiders and be in that division with Mahomes, Herbert, and now Russell Wilson with Sean Payton twice a year. I just didn't think it made any sense. So I thought it was just, you know, the best way for him to do it was his retire and not go to another team. But yeah, you know, obviously it shook up the league and it'll just be interesting to see you know, where the NFL goes from here is, you know, it's a, it's a definitely, you know, bright future for a lot of these young quarterbacks, you know, for many years to come, Mahomes, Herbert, uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, Josh Allen, the list, you know, just goes on and on, you know, so it just will be interesting to see how well, you know, the NFL will do from here on out. We're losing the goat. So, Bengals, uh, actually Bengals Chiefs, a little bit of that game. Uh, what were your thoughts? Did you get a chance to watch that game? Um, I did for a little bit. It was a pretty good game, what I thought of it. Um, I had the Bengals winning, so yeah, I did too. Chiefs winning, I was just like, oh dang. But um, obviously, I think the only reason why I had the Bengals winning is because I didn't think Patrick Mahomes would have been one hundred percent healthy. But Same. I don't know why, but I somehow forgot. Like it's Patrick Mahomes; he can literally do anything. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Like, just seeing him play on, like, that pretty bad high ankle sprain, I'm like, wow, this guy's going to do wonders, like, yeah. throughout his entire career in the NFL. I mean, it was just remarkable to see how well he did, you know, off playing basically off of one leg. You know, everyone, you know, was questioning how he would be healthy or if he would not be, you know, coming into that game because he suffered that ankle injury against the Jaguars the week before in the divisional round. Not a lot of time to, you know, kind of get that ankle, you know, ready and 100 percent, which obviously he wasn't 100 percent. You could tell he you know lost some of his mobility, you know, his scrambling outside the pocket, you know, but. He stayed inside the pocket and, you know, whatever game plan Andy Reid, you know, came up for him and the team during the week was it worked, you know, so it was a great game. Obviously, some people said the refs, but 
the Chiefs obviously they won that game. I mean, yeah, you could have said it, you know, the refs and this and that, but I just I don't I don't think it was, you know, it was determined exactly by the refs. Now some people will argue that. I'm sure they will, but there's a lot more than just one play, obviously. I mean, you know, the intentional grounding late in the fourth quarter there, the holding call that they missed. I mean, the refs had a, had their footprints on both games. It sucks to say, you know, obviously for for Bengals fans, but the Chiefs, you know, they all they all played them when it mattered. The Bengals had that last drive when they had the opportunity. I don't know, I'm not sure if you remember, but they had that two yeah. minute, two minutes left and they couldn't capitalize. So, I mean, it doesn't come down to one play. Obviously, you know, people were really upset about the call on Mahomes when Joseph Asai pushed him out of bounds, but it's a blatant call, you know, so it's textbook call in the NFL. So I have to ask you about your Super Bowl prediction with the Chiefs and the Eagles. Andy Reid coached the Eagles who has throughout his time in Philadelphia very, very long time, was let go by the Eagles, and now he's built a superpower in Kansas City. So who's your pick for this uh, Super Bowl next weekend? Oh, my gosh. I was talking to my dad about this, and I told him, like, well, I really want the Eagles to win, but I really (laughs) feel like the Chiefs are going to win. And I think it really just goes back to the Chiefs-Bengals game. Like, not a lot of people thought the Chiefs were going to beat the Bengals just because of how Patrick Mahomes wasn't necessarily 100%, but how he pretty much proved that he can do pretty much everything, even if he's not 100%. I feel like the Chiefs will probably win. I think it will be a really good game, though, because you got the talent of both of these very young quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes and in Jalen Hurts. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like I would pick the Chiefs. No, I don't think you'd go wrong either way, obviously. Uh, it's just tough to say uh, the Chiefs are technically an underdog in this spot. And what you know, when was the last time you heard the Chiefs being an underdog? You really haven't. So exactly. The Eagles have been the juggernaut. They've been the that they've been that superpower all year long from start to finish. You know, they they won 14 games. They you know, they went 14 and 3, so it, it's it's hard to pick against them. Uh I think Jalen Hurts will be a little more healthy coming into next week's game. I think this week will be huge for him along with next week just kind of getting that rest. And you could say the same thing about Patrick Mahomes, but I think the Eagles are obviously a little bit better on paper, but coaching matchup would you take Andy Reid or Nick Sirianni? You'd have to go with Andy Reid, especially all the years he's been in the NFL, his experience. He knows the Eagles better than he knows himself, you know? So I, I like that you picked the you picked the Chiefs. Uh, I think the Eagles are the better team, and I have to go with the Eagles in this situation. I just think they're just a little bit better. I think that Jalen Hurts makes a little more plays, and I really like that Eagles defense. That pass rush is legit. Obviously, you can see on the other side with Chris Jones up the middle. He was a huge factor in that Bengals game. But for me, I personally really like the Eagles in, in this spot, and I think they I think they win that game. What's your score prediction? Ooh. The Eagles score a I lot think... of points. The Eagles score a lot of points. The Chiefs score a lot of points. You know, Super Bowls are always crazy. It can be a defensive showdown or it could just be an offensive exactly. showdown. That's the thing. I think I think it's going to be a very close game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say 27-24. Wow. Okay. I'm going Eagles 31, Chiefs 28. <laughs> I, oh, like wow. the, I like high scoring. I think the Eagles yes. win in a, in a close fashion. And I think Jake Elliott comes up big late for the Chief, or excuse me, the Eagles again in the Super Bowl because he really hasn't had to do much this season. They've dominated all the way throughout. But on the other side of the coin, too, my last point about the Eagles is, is 
their postseason run this year, the two quarterbacks they faced were Daniel Jones. We're going to get into him here in a little bit. And Brock Purdy, who obviously got hurt, you know, in the in the division or excuse me, in the NFC championship. So as an Eagles fan, you've dominated the regular season, but the playoffs, not so much. So that could also be another factor as well. They haven't really faced a lot of talent in the past few weeks. I mean, they rolled over in the mm-hmm. playoffs. They jumped. They dominated the Giants. They won. 38 to seven. And then they won, they won the Niners game 31 to seven. And there's a lot more about that Niners game. Purdy got hurt, but they really haven't faced a quarterback like Mahomes. I mean, nobody is Mahomes, but they haven't faced a quarterback like that in, in recent weeks. So, I mean, who knows, you know? So uh, how about Sean Payton going to the Broncos? What were your initial, initial thoughts of that? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I attend Eastern Illinois University, and he's an alumni there. So yeah. everyone at my school was going crazy because we just didn't know where he was going. But yeah. I think this is actually probably the perfect place for Sean Payton just because so of his too. coaching style. Um, I mean, you got Russell Wilson still, and based off of this past season that we watched, like it was just disappointing. I was very was. disappointed in the Broncos, more specifically Russell Wilson. But I feel like with a quarterback as talented as Russell Wilson and a head coach as talented as Sean Payton, I think the Broncos will improve. I don't think they'll be like in the top two in their division, but I think they will dramatically improve from what their previous record was. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think they could, you know, have a chance at a wild card. Obviously, they traded that, you know, their first round pick this year, the late 2023, and they traded, you know, next year's 2024 second round pick that they have as well. And, you know, you're all in at this point. You paid all that money for Russell Wilson. What's it to say it doesn't hurt to go out and get a Hall of Fame coach like Sean Payton? It's it's better than going and getting, you know, excuse me, a D'Amico Ryans or, you know, Frank Reich or a quarterback or excuse me, a coach in that aspect of the game. I just think it makes more sense for them. And they were able to lure Sean Payton in. And obviously reports and rumors a couple of weeks ago came out that Sean Payton was, you know, the coveted target for the Broncos. They wanted him and they landed him. And it was all about the front office for Sean Payton to deciding whether he was going to feel comfortable. And one point I will make that I really do like is the relationship with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, how can that develop over the course of this offseason on to next season as well? Because that's going to be a huge factor. The Broncos are going to get healthy. They're going to get Javante Williams, their star running back, back. Uh, Jerry Judy, another season with Russ. Uh, they're going to get Tim Patrick back, another se- season with Cortland Sutton. They already have a phenomenal defense. Obviously, they lost Bradley Chubb uh, during the season with a trade to the Dolphins. So it just it's going to be interesting to see how well the two can, you know, go along with a relationship because obviously all those years, Russell Wilson was in Seattle with Pete Carroll. And then obviously late at the end of his time there, rumors came out that they didn't get along and all that. I don't really buy into all that. They had a great relationship all those years. I mean, they had a great defense in Seattle along with the relationship they had. I mean, they won a Super Bowl together. So it'll just be interesting to see how well Russell Wilson and Sean Payton can gel together, you know, and I just think it'll just be good to see Russell Wilson get a, a legitimate head coach because Nathaniel Hackett, he was in green Bay uh, those years with Rogers as his play caller. I don't think, I mean, yeah, you can blame him. Obviously Russ has some to do with it as well, but I just think Sean Payton can, you know, repair and fix some minor flaws from Russ. And I don't think he has many. I don't think he was really given a fair shot with what he was 
given a work with head coaching wise and their offensive line got hurt. They're a little banged up. So I just think it'll be good to see that, you know, Russell Wilson has a legit head coach for his time in Denver. So did you see Frank Reich went to the Panthers? The Panthers uh, hired him this past week. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, man. Um, I'm not truly shocked about it. I do think this is still a good move for the Panthers and for Frank yeah. Reich. Um, this Panthers team, they had a good start, but then they didn't. So it's also just looking at how – yeah, Their team changed dramatically over the year. They traded away Christian McCaffrey. And then um, Baker Mayfield is now at the Rams. So it's more, I feel like they're kind of in a little rebuild type of mode. So I think that the start of it is getting a good coach, getting a good head coach. And I feel like they are in the right path in their little rebuilding mode. Um, I think it's just more of how is it going to gel with, play calling and the offense and just figuring out what they're going to do from there. I don't, I think Frank Reich is a great play caller. Obviously, you know, he was the Eagles offensive coordinator during their Super Bowl run uh, against the Patriots. So, and then obviously he got hired by the Colts. Was he really given a fair shot? I mean, he didn't, he didn't really have a chance to really, you know, develop a QB sit there and kind of really, you know, go along with the motions. I mean, they were just, they were just kind of a dumpster fire to say the least. And you go out and get Matt Ryan. I mean, that's just, it's just a tough situation for him. So it's cool to see that he gets a, you know, a fair shot at, you know, really coaching and we get to actually see what he can bring to the table. And like you said, the Panthers, they traded away McCaffrey. They got, you know, good draft picks in there. Darnold was, you know, a little shaky here and there. They, you know, they got rid of the the Baker Mayfield situation, how that all went down. So they had a great run game. Even after they traded McCaffrey, they actually led the NFL in rushing for a few weeks there. So it'll just be interesting to see how what they do in their offseason because they have uh the ninth pick and they could potentially you know draft a QB which I'm sure they will because the QBs on their roster are Sam Darnold and Matt Corral those are the two that you know come to the top of my mind and they're they they've got a pretty good roster I mean obviously they traded away McCaffrey they still have you know JC Horn who's a you know solid player in this league he's drafted out of South Carolina a few years ago you still have Brian Burns you got Derek Brown Terrace Marshall's kind of you know coming coming around uh, DJ Moore, they still have. So, I mean, they have pieces. They're there, obviously. So the question remains is, can they put it all together? It's, I mean, it's going to take some time. We've seen in the NFL in recent you know, years with the Jaguars, what they did with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, how they came together. Coaching matters, you know. So it'll just be interesting to see how they can do, obviously, in that division, I guess, is up for grabs. It's anybody's division now that Brady left, you know, and NFC South. So uh, D'Amico Ryan to the Texans on a six-year deal former uh, Niners defensive coordinator. He takes over in, in Houston. I personally love this. I like those culture guys there that, you know, been on the team. D'Amico Ryans was a linebacker for the Texans for, you know, quite some time with, you know, JJ Watt. So I just, I like to see you bring an in-house guy who knows how the system is. is the Texans need a lot of help. Obviously they're, you know, they're suffering since Watson left and they need to move Brandon Cooks. That's, you know, that's an obvious thing there. Uh, they've got a couple guys on the books uh, names that come to mind. Laramie Tunzel's on the books for he's a, a massive cap hit. Jerry Hughes is on the books as well. Your main cap hits are Cooks, Jerry Hughes, and Laramie Tunzel. Those are your three there. You're going to get a good draft pick, obviously. You have the second pick. So I like the D'Amico Ryan's hire. What are your thoughts on it? 
Um, I also I also really like that hire. And like you said, the Texans, they they need everything that they can get. Absolutely. Um, I feel like they are really struggling since the Deshaun Watson trade. Yeah, I don't okay, yeah. But they were also really struggling after that trade. And I feel like they just really need something. They I think they had the worst record in the NFL this season. Is that correct? They had the worst record? The Chicago Tours? They had the second or worst, yeah, because the Bears had the first because the last game of the season, the Texans actually beat the Colts on that two-point conversion that everyone was going crazy over because Lovey Smith went for it and they lost out of the number one pick. And now that they have the second pick, I talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast as well. So that really got me frustrated, but people had their different opinions that Lovey was already getting fired. So I, I guess it makes sense in a way. So, but another, you know, another team going in that's rebuilding right now to just be fun to see an interesting off season for them because they're going to be in the draft and they've got a good few young players names that come to mind. You got Derek Stingley, John Mechie. They both didn't play last year. You have, um, Jonathan Grenard out of Florida. He's been, you know, a pretty good guy for them the past few years. Jalen Petre, the rookie they drafted last year. So uh, Damian Pierce, another guy that comes to mind. They've got a good handful of young talent. So if you can put that together, it'll be fun to see. I think it's going to, they're, you know, ways away, but going out and getting a D'Amico Ryan's a big culture guy who knows the, uh, the organization better than anyone else is a perfect hire in my opinion. So, what are your thoughts on the whole Jimmy G thing? Where do you think he's going to land? Oh, my goodness. Um, the thing he's with not, Jimmy he's G not, he's, is He's that... not going back to the Niners. That's the thing. They said today they don't see there's any chance he goes back. So if I were to throw a team out there for you, where do you think he would land? Oh, the first team that came in mind was the Falcons. Really? I actually feel like he would work pretty well with the Falcons. If not them, maybe Tampa Bay, just because Tom Brady just retired. And you know they're pretty much looking for a quarterback. I think they only have one signed quarterback as of now. And I feel like with the retirement of Tom Brady happening today, I think Tampa Bay should really jump for Jimmy G. Just because I feel like the connection that Brady and Mike Evans had, I think Jimmy G can come in and not even like have to really work that hard to get that connection back to where it was with Brady and mm-hmm. Evans. Yeah. And I also feel like Jimmy G kind of reminds me of Tom Brady in a way, just because of the way that they play. But um, I feel like he would actually work really well with the Bucks. But um, yeah, Bucks. Yeah. Bucks, I, I like that. And the Falcons one threw me for a loop for a second, but I mean, anything's on the table. I mean, Jimmy G is going to be a free agent. You know, some team is going to want him. He is a proven winner yeah. in this league. And I mean, he's led them. He led them to a Super Bowl. He led them to an NFC championship last year as well. So, I mean, Jimmy G is a proven winner in this league. Does he have the resume that some other QBs around the league have? Absolutely not. But I think he's a plug-and-play guy. You slide him right in. If you have weapons already, Jimmy G is not going to go to a rebuilding type of team. I just don't see that. I think like the Tampa Bay Bucks makes sense. The Raiders could make sense. Obviously, reunion with Josh Daniels from New England those those years ago, obviously. The Jets may make sense. Uh, So 
one of those teams is definitely going to take a stab on Jimmy G. So I, I just I want to see who will do it. And when they do, I'll just be excited to see. So I got to talk to you about the NBA a little bit, obviously. I know you love the NBA. I've, I've done a little bit of research uh, this past you know week about the NBA, some trade deadlines coming up. Uh, what is the best fit for some of these players? Where some of these teams stand? And obviously you do your uh, short minutes about the NBA. So Matisse uh, Thibault, a name you're familiar with, the Kings and the Warriors are interested in him. A guy that hasn't really had the best career in Philadelphia, I'd say. Obviously, his numbers are down drastically this year. He's only averaging right around three points per game this year. But I want to hear your thoughts on Matisse Thibault, what these two teams mean, and I'll give you my my thoughts. Um, The fact that the Kings and the Warriors want him, that kind of speaks volumes. Specifically the Warriors, because pretty much based off of what I've been seeing, the Warriors seem like they're perfectly fine. I don't know why they would need – I don't know why they would need him in some way, but, you know, any addition is a pretty good addition depending on how you play him. Right. Um, I could actually see him going to the Kings just because the Kings have been very slept on lately. Like, I was just doing – I was just doing a short about the Kings, and I – didn't know that they were ranked that high in the Western Conference. It really shocked me. I was like, oh, I need to actually start watching the Kings now because they're actually good. So I could see them adding like a new addition um, to the team and seeing how that works out and seeing if they do go past the Nuggets and seeing if they do get in one of the top two spots in the Western Conference. Yeah, so the Nuggets are the, the first seed, then followed by the Grizzlies, and then the Kings, which is really surprising to me, if you ask me, because all these years the Kings have been horrible. But what they did last year was is a massive trade, we all remember, with Sabonis and uh, Halliburton, obviously Sabonis to the Kings from the Pacers and Halliburton from the Kings to the Pacers. So that swap right there was just massive alone. And what they've been working with this year has just been really remarkable because everyone, you know, is always, you know, clowning the Kings are always all oh, the Kings are the Kings, but I mean, they're, they're legit this year. I mean, are they going to win the West? Probably not, but I mean, they're a piece away from, you know, winning the West next year, if they can, you know, keep this core together. So I think a Matisse Thibault trade would make a lot of sense for this team. You know, you're in contention. What's to say, you know, a piece like that wouldn't hurt. Now, what depends on what the Sixers want in return and what the Kings are willing to give up. I wouldn't give up a whole lot for a guy like this because he's really just a defensive specialist. He's more of a, you know, a perimeter guy. He's not going to score a lot for you. And I don't think the Kings really need a whole lot of scoring because Fox, you know, drops 25 on any given night along with Sabonis too. Uh, so Kevin Herter's, a, you know, been a really big piece for them. He's been remarkable this year. That was a great trade in my opinion too, going back with the Hawks. So I think you can, you know, reach out for Matisse Thibel, but I wouldn't give up too much for him. And I don't think the Warriors will give up a lot for him either. I think a second round make second round pick makes sense. I definitely wouldn't give up a first. I think that's, you know, definitely, you know, reaching for sure. So I could see the Warriors, you know, reaching in there for a guy like Thibel. The Warriors don't really need scoring. They need defense. And I think that would be the, yeah. I think, I think it would make sense if you ask me. So Another guy that comes to mind for me is Bones Highland. He's been in trade rumors and trade talks this past, you know, couple of weeks. Obviously, the deadline is next week, February 9th. So when you hear a guy like Bones Highland in the trade rumors and you know the trade market, what do you think of that? Um I'm not heavily following trade deadlines right now. 
But I do think that is very interesting because he could bring so much to a team, but I I don't know who would grab him and for what. I think that's the part where I'm really trying to figure out, well, he's yeah, a great player here. and everything, but like what would you give up for him? And I think that's the biggest question that people are looking at for every team. It's like, well, yeah. like, oh, like example the Grizzlies. You're pretty stacked. What would you give up for him if you like really wanted him? And just like going through every roster and just figuring out who you would necessarily give up for someone that like is a pretty decent player, but like you don't really know if they would necessarily change exactly what your whole um, scheme yeah. is pretty much. That's my thing too is like, the problem with him on the Nuggets is, is he doesn't exactly fit into their rotation. And he's a great young player in this league. I mean, I think he could be, he has the chance to be very good. I don't know if he's a superstar level. I think he has some things to clean up. Obviously he's kind of a turnover machine. Uh, he's not the greatest defender, so he's not a two-way player yet. He's still very young. He's only 22 out of ECU. So, I mean, I think a team could use him and the Nuggets want a first round pick for him. He's not really fitting into the rotation right now. Bruce Brown is playing a lot of key minutes for them. Jamal Murray is kind of coming, is starting to come back to form for them. They got Kentavious Caldwell Pope. So it just doesn't really seem like he's fitting into the rotation for them. And obviously come playoff time, he's definitely not going to fit in. If he's not fitting in now, what's to say he'd fit in then? So you trade him, you see what you can get for him. And if some team is looking at, is, you know, trying, willing to give up a first, yeah, I, I would consider, I would think they would do that in a heartbeat. So good young player, not a two-way, uh, you know, player in the league yet, but definitely has a lot of potential. So it'll just be interesting to see a team, what team will take him. I don't think it'll be a, I don't know if it'll be a contender. I, I don't know if it's a, maybe some team that's just kind of, you know, floating around the 500 mark and say, ah, oh, we'll take a stab on him, see what he can, you know, give to us, if he can provide that spark. So I don't know, but. I know you said you haven't been following the trade deadline, uh, which is no big deal, but another name that comes to mind for me is OG Ananobi, a guy that's been on the Raptors a few years now. He's, you know, a solid, solid player. He signed that, you know, contract extension uh, last year. He's on a four-year, $72 million deal, so he's averaging right around 17 points per game. Suns want him, and Knicks want him, and now the, and the Pacers supposedly want him as well. For me, I think the Suns makes a lot of sense. The reason why, because of what they can get, what they can give to the Raptors in return. They got Sarich, they got Cam Johnson, Crowder, and um, they have uh, you know a few draft picks as well. Because obviously they were wanting Kevin Durant this offseason, and they were willing to give up five first. So what's to say they don't do they don't still have those draft picks? They do. So I think I think the Suns makes the most sense for a guy like OG Ananobi, but. He said he doesn't want to be traded, and I just if the Raptors are willing to you know get those assets, I think I think you do it. I, I don't see you're, I don't think you're you're not in contention. You know, give up the, get some assets in return for a guy like Ananobi, and you you know. So what do you think of that? I could really see him going to the Suns. Um, I really loved watching him at the Raptor, and knowing that he doesn't want to be traded, it's. It's like heartbreaking, yeah. but at the same time, you know, it's a business. So like you got to do what's best for the franchise. So I understand it, but I could definitely see him with the Suns just because I feel like he would definitely fit in that rotation with Devin Booker and um, Chris Paul and the rest of the team. But as you were talking about teams that he would probably 
be a really good fit on and teams are kind of trying to get him. I was thinking about the Knicks and I was thinking, you know, he could really fit in that rotation as well, but what would the Knicks give up? So I think if he goes to Knicks and the Knicks give up Emmanuel quickly and maybe like a couple of other draft picks, I wouldn't necessarily be mad at that trade. I think it would do a lot for Toronto, um, maybe more than the Knicks, but I could actually see that trade happening just because I see those two as very similar players, both really good shooters, pretty good Mm -hmm. defenders as well. So I feel like the Raptors wouldn't be losing a lot if that trade actually happened, but the Knicks would also be gaining a pretty talented player. Absolutely. I mean, that could really put them in the, I mean, the Knicks are the Knicks, but it could could really help them in the Eastern Conference for sure, because they're a tough team. I mean, they lost the Lakers last night. Uh, RJ Barrett was a disappointment last night. He's averaging 20 points per game this year. Randall's been, you know, great per usual, which is no surprise there. Brunson, he's been a major surprise amongst the league. He signed that, you know, big deal with the Knicks this offseason, you know, leaving the Mavs. So you add a guy like OG Ananobi to that mix, you know, a good, you know, versatile young player. You know, what's to say the Knicks can't, you know, be a you know contender, you know, d- deep down in the East there, you know, come playoff time. So I like that a lot. But there's two more names that I do want to talk about from the Raptors, Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Fleet. They're rumored to be traded as well. If I were to give you these three players, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Fleet, and Gary Trent Jr., what player do you think gets dealt to the deadline? Tough, I know. Because Van Fleet's under contract, so is Trent, yep. and so is Ananobi. But what what player can you what player can you get the most assets in return for? What team can give you the most for one of those three players? Because they're all three good players. I feel like you could get the most from Van Vliet. Really? I feel like you could get the most just because he keeps proving time and time again that he is such an amazing shooter. And he's a pretty decent defender just don't know I feel like whoever gets Van Vliet they might have to give up a lot just because of how talented he truly is mm-hmm. but um I feel like you would get the most out of him though I'm going I'm I gotta have to disagree with you on this one here I have to go with uh, OG Ananobi, just because he's younger, he's more versatile, he fits in. Obviously, you you plug in Van Fleet, he's a great shooter. But I think, oh, obviously, OG Ananobi has way more upside. Obviously, Van Fleet's older. And that's my only thing there. Now, Van Fleet's not a bad, you know, this, you know, decision there. I, I just think that Ananobi makes more sense because he's younger, has more upside, more versatile. And I, a team, you know, could desperately use him. Teams always need shooting, of course, but if you can get a player like Ananobi for your team, you know, let's say the Suns with Booker, uh, you pair him with Booker. You, obviously, you still have Chris Paul. He has been hurt most of this year. They're looking to potentially trade him. I don't know if they will. DeAndre eight and two, so you know. So, but the next name I have in my trade, um, you know, mind right now is Jay Crowder. You're familiar with Jay Crowder? Suns, Mavericks, Celtics, Cavs. He he's been everywhere. Do you think the Suns will trade him? No, just because I feel like he works well with them. And I feel like unless if the Suns get back something incredibly like mm-hmm. life-changing, then yeah, 
but I don't know who would necessarily give up anything more than a star player for a Jay Crowder. The problem with Jay Crowder is, is he hasn't played for the Suns all year, and that's obviously concerning. So he's so he's been holding out. He's I hate this to you know say this kind of stuff, but it's it's the truth. And when you when you look at it, when you eye test it, he's not in game shape. He hasn't played all year. Now you can be training mm-hmm. in workouts and this and that. He's not playing. So, uh, but this is one thing I will say. I think a team will call here in the next few days for him and you know try to be aggressive. If he's just sitting there and he's not playing for the Suns, what's to say a contender doesn't call? I think you know the Bucks could use a guy like that. He's a great three and D guy. So veteran, you know, veteran presence, savvy vet you know, understands his role. He hasn't played for the Suns, which has been a weird, weird situation. It's really disappointing to say the least because he's a solid, he's a solid player on a, you know, on a good contender, you know? So, but I do want to ask you, who's your NBA MVP? Everyone has their own opinion and I want to hear yours. Right now, because it depends, like it changes all the time. Just like, it does. oh, it's between this person and this person. Right now, I have John Moran. And really? Because he, wow. he keeps playing like lights out every single time. You really never wow. know what to expect from him. I didn't expect um, that. Really? I thought you'd say Jokic or Luka. I mean, most people are saying that, but I respect My second it. one was Luka. My second I, one was Luka. And it's always between those two. It honestly depends on how well Memphis does. But mm-hmm. it's, for me, right now, it's Jaw just because he keeps impressing and he keeps putting up numbers that people don't really expect from someone as young. And especially as slim as he is, I feel like he's really shocking people with like, just on his build, you don't really think that he can do the things that he can. He's right. very, he's very athletic, and by that I mean like I think he shocked so many people coming from, coming from Murray State, which is actually not a as big of a school as most people normally come from. Yeah. I think it's very shocking to see how how much he's improved over this season, and as well as just like the amount of high scoring games he's had. And that's where I get with the Luca thing, where he keeps scoring like 60, 70 points. And it's like, <laughs> what what is going on? Like what are what's in your water? Cause like what how do you keep scoring all these points? And the thing with Luca is is that he'll make these incredible shots. Like I saw a highlight where he did like a floater and he was behind the backboard and it still made it. I saw that like, yeah, last week. How yeah. did you do that? And I feel like with Luca, it's just more of he does it consistently. And that's where I like rank him over jaw every now and then. But yeah, it's between those two for me right now. I respect your opinion. I respect everyone's opinion about who they have for their MVP. For me, for this season, you know, some people will have, you know, questions about this. Jason Tatum can't close late games. But for me, I I think it's Jason Tatum. I really think it's between him and Jokic, obviously. And if Jokic wins the third in a row, the only two other, the only player that comes to mind that I know in recent times, obviously before we were both born, was Larry Bird. He won it uh, back-to-back three times in a row. So did uh, Bill Russell as well as Wilt Chamberlain, but Tatum's been special this year. And I, I just think I, I, I've just, 
I hate giving a guy three MVPs in a row, but it's been done before. And the way he's been playing, it's hard not to give it to him. I, I Personally, for my MVP, it's Jason Tatum. Just from where he left off in the finals last year, he's averaging the most points per game by a Celtic, you know, ever. So he's ever. He's averaging right around 30, 31 points a game, which is special. With He's got Brogdon. He's got Jalen Brown. He's got Marcus Smart. I mean, there's a lot of pieces around him, and he's still, you know, scoring on, a, on any given night. So, for me, it's Jason Tatum. Everyone's going to, you know, you know, go in an uproar and debate that. So obviously, because you said, you know, John Morant. But I respect both of those, honestly. I, I respect the John Morant. For me, the only reason why I will not say Luka win MVP, and some people are going to say otherwise, but – I think the reason why he won't win MVP is because the Mavericks won't have the record that's needed down the stretch in the West. I mean, they're only a game over 500 and the Mavs just seem like they're in the same position as last year. They surrounded him. They same team surrounded him with a bunch of shooters. They lost Brunson. They, you know, got, they went out and got Christian Wood for, you know, a whole lot of nothing. So I don't know. Lucas is, special player don't get me wrong can he win mvp absolutely will he win an mvp before his career is over yes i think so but i think this season so this season i i don't see it happening and i hate to say it's jason tatum's award to lose because he's not the favorite it's luke it's you know nicole Jokic. if if he wins the third mvp in a row i mean it's i mean that just will be speechless you know i don't even know what to say at this point he's just been remarkable he's averaging a triple double on his stats this year you know yeah so my last thing of the show, I want to end this off. Russell Westbrook, he's been a dumpster fire in LA. Everyone's known that. You know, he's a little bit better this year than last year. That's you know, that's you know, it's fair to say. But do you think the Lakers will trade Westbrook before this deadline? Okay, my simple answer is no, just because. I think he's in the running for like sixth man of the year. And he as soon as that came out, I'm year. like, he, they are not trading him. As soon as that came out, I'm like, yep, he, he's staying with LA as of right now. And I think it's because the thing with Westbrook for me personally, and why mm-hmm. I don't necessarily say like, oh, he's a bad player, but I'm also not like, well, he's a good player. Like he's a talented player, but he's mm-hmm. very inconsistent. You just got to catch him on a day. And that's the one thing that I feel like was something that the Lakers were really considering yeah. just because like, he's not the LeBron of the team. He's not the Anthony Davis. He's not really making those stats that OKC Russell Westbrook was doing. Of course. And it's like kind of disappointing, but you know, like it, it's normal. Like, He's older now. He's 34. He's got two other, you know, players with LeBron and AD. But the problem for us is his turnovers and his late game situations. He can't close games. And that's Mm -hmm. just the biggest thing for me. It's like, if you can trade Westbrook at the deadline, I think you do it, especially come playoff time. If you want to get in the playoffs, I don't think you're going to be, I don't think you're going to play Russ in those late game situations, especially come playoff time. In a play in game, is he going to be in there at the fourth quarter, late, 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 unless they, you know, barring any injuries? I personally don't see it. So if you can go and dump that contract on somebody else for a team that's looking for an expiring contract and wanting to, you know, get something or, you know, give up something, get Russ in return, I think you do it. And I, I just think that it would make sense for the Lakers move on. See if you can get something decent for us. Maybe, you know, a shooter 
or two or something for that because I think a team would do it. I mean, they, you know, where there were talks in the offseason, it's just about if the Lakers are willing to do it. I just think they don't want to part ways with Russ. And I don't know why I'm not in the front office, but I, I, I wish they would. So that's it on the NBA. That's it on the NFL. I always have people come on the show and I usually ask them questions, but this time I'm going to ask you, give one hot take that you may think people may think otherwise. Go ahead. The floor is yours. Ooh, about anything? Uh, NBA, NFL. Like anything sports related? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I think the Bears should trade down the draft. Really? All right, go ahead. Why? Because I think that if they trade down to mm-hmm. number four and give number one to Indianapolis, we already know Indianapolis is most likely going to go for a quarterback. And then the yep. Texans are probably going to go for a quarterback. And mm-hmm. if we can if we can trade for number four for the Indianapolis Colts and get more draft picks back, mm-hmm. and we're loaded with cap space, it's going to be the best rebuild for Justin Fields Mm. and I think we'll give him all the weapons that he needs and and I think we'll also give the defense the weapons that they need too interesting I like that I like that the Justin Fields take I mean I talked about that a few weeks ago Bryce Young Justin Fields will you trade for him are you willing to trade down they're going to have a ton of cap space this offseason I do like Eberflus a lot I like that GM uh, too as well so I mean, I think it'll just be interesting to see what they do come draft time, if they're willing to trade, you know, down, obviously. But I, I like that a lot. My hot take. Now, you may be taken off, taken back by this. You may be surprised. Now, I think the Los Angeles Lakers can win the NBA Finals if they drump, if they dump Russ or they can get an, another shooter or two. Let's say they go out and get a Gary Trent or Fred Van Fleet, like a player on that caliber. I think they can win the finals. And the reason why I will say this, because you have LeBron, who doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. You have Anthony Davis, barring you know any setbacks, as long as he can stay healthy. We saw what he could do before he got hurt. You know, he missed the you know the 20 games before that. Now let's just say, right, the Lakers, no no team in a seven-game series is going to want to play the Lakers. Any given night, any team can win in the NBA. But my thing with the Lakers is is their roster, if they make this trade, let's say they get a three and D guy. Let's say they get a um, you know Bogdanovich from from uh, Detroit. Let's say Palinka Rob Palinka goes out there and acquires a guy like that. Okay, now you're sitting there with a three and D guy. You got a shooter, a massive shooter that you desperately needing for this roster. What's to say they can't go all the way? The West for me is not stacked. I don't see why. I mean, they the Lakers can compete with any team on any given night. Some people may think I'm crazy, but they beat the Grizzlies. They beat the Kings. Like I said, it's any given night. They have competed with all of these teams throughout. What's to say they can't do it? Now, the East is a whole different animal, but you've only got to focus on the West. That's where I'll leave it. I respect that, honestly, like 100%. <laughs> like, as soon as you broke it down, because as soon as you said it, I'm thinking, yeah. really? Uh, yeah. Okay. When you, when you, but then you yeah. broke it down, and I'm like, okay, that that makes sense. No, I said if they make a trade. I'm not saying now. Yeah. There, I think they could make the playoffs with this roster. I mean, they're they're close to the play-in, and they're only three game, three or four games back of the fourth seed in the West. That's what I'm saying. It's it's anyone's game right now. So, who knows? But if they do make a trade, now this is a big if. 
I think they can go all the way. And some people are going to go crazy about that, but I don't, I don't think that's a, you know, a, a big, you know, a big reach in my opinion, you have LeBron, you have AD. They just went out and got Rui Hachimura, who I love too as well, but you know, big versatile player in the league. He's shooting a 42% from, uh, from three this year. You go out and you get another shooter, three and D guy. What's to say you can't go all the way. So I'll leave it at that. Well, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. Zaria Flippin, as always, continue uh, your path as a sports journalist, as a young sports journalist. It was a pleasure talking about the NFL, the NBA, some hot takes in there, mixing and matching, a little bit of the trade deadline. As always, guys, make sure to follow us on YouTube, the Inquisitive Mamba podcast, TikTok at the IQM pod. Our podcast is on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you find your podcast, we are there. Thank you as always, and we'll see you next time.